Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 80 of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast adjunct series. This evening, we are chatting with a brewery that I've wanted to talk to you for quite a while. This last year or so since they've been around, uh, they've really stuck out with a bunch of the stuff they're making from what I'm hearing, and specifically as well from their branding side. So I've been wanting to get this story. You guys are going to love it. Please welcome Andrew from Fine Balance and Nathan from Nathan Does Beer and BOS. What up, what up? Hey, hey, hey. Hey. hey guys, <laughs> thanks for having me guys. Genuine pleasure, man. Thank you for joining us. This is Good awesome. Good to meet you finally. Yeah. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. Loving it. Nate back, this is the first, uh, we're just saying, we're doing these pre-records now as opposed to the lives. And this is Nate's first uh, foray into the pre-record world, which is we've only done like five or something, I think. So, you know. Yeah, it's true. And this is my first time back since we kind of wrapped up the spring season. Yeah, you keep wrapping up all the seasons. You're like the, the yeah, finisher. Right. <laughs> I'm the Bring closer. <laughs> Bringing her home. I love it. Um, Andrew, this is awesome, dude. Uh, we, got, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. So uh, first things first, you know, the deal. We'll get, uh, we'll get into this bad boy right here that I have been eyeing for the last uh, – it mm-hmm. took some willpower because the last week or so I've been like, oh, maybe I could drink <laughs> one of them. But I didn't want to ruin Same. the options, you know. Sitting in the fridge, uh, just taunting you just a little bit. staring at me. <laughs> yeah. So this is your uh, 4.8% Italian Pisna. Is it Testaccio? Testaccio, yeah. Great, yeah. great name. Uh, T- Testaccio is a neighborhood in Rome, actually. Okay. Uh, where our head brewer, Eric, lived there um, right as the pandemic hit. Oh, wow. And uh, then, yeah, he moved back to Kingston. And fortuitous that uh, he started to work at the brewery. Um, that is very convenient. Yeah, but this was one of the first beers that he wanted to make, actually. Right. Um, we, we started. We started talking about different styles, and yeah, Ooh. smells Man, amazing. Look at that proper glassware right there. Oh, I should have got. Oh, we got the proper oh. one. Oh, love that. <laughs> very hey, nice. Cheers, guys. <laughs> oh, don't look at mine. Cheers, I take. Some, I take home some of the rejects. Yeah. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the uh, What's in this one, man? What are the hops? What's the deal? Yeah, so this one um, wow, this is sort glorious. of like German-style. Uh, I think we dry hop this one with a little bit of citra. Mm. And what else? I'm just oh, looking, goodness. actually. I know. So we've done uh, – we do two Pilsners back-to-back. Okay. Um, this has – oh, no, it's Sassfras, one of the new hops out of Australia. Uh, so Sassafras? That's hilarious. So, I used yeah. to – I grew up around the corner from there. Yeah, I should um, – yeah, to be honest, I don't know the, the other ones that are in this one. Um, so Maybe we've done this Italian. One. Yeah, untapped one. No, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, <laughs> we've done this one and then our, our Precipice New Zealand Pilsner. So they're very similar actual uh, recipes, both German-style Pilsners. But New Zealand has exclusively New Zealand hops in it, obviously. Okay. Um, so it's a bit sweeter than this one. This one's definitely a little more kind of earthy, I think. Um, yeah, it, it definitely is, and it's mm-hmm. uh, and it's quite dry. Got uh, like and yeah. it's definitely got that um, that earthy component, like you say, mm-hmm. and um, kind of uh, like a bit like a bit of spice on the like on the back end as it like really like dries out at the finish. That's yeah. right. Yeah, definitely a bit of spice, which is nice. Um, what is that? A bit of citrus too. Okay, it's yeah, a good question. 
Yeah. It actually says it's interesting. I'm just looking at the untapped as you guys are talking here, and it does say clove in the uh, some of the tasting notes. So maybe it's a bit of that, just a touch of clove in that uh, back end. Yeah. Yeah, a touch of clove in the back end for sure. Yeah, That's clove. Gorgeous. Yeah. Balanced sort of bitterness. Yeah. Um, a little bit of citrus coming through. Yes. For me. Um, is this particular beer, is this inspired, um, obviously, um, from Brewer's time in, in Rome, but was it like, you know, was yeah. this like similar to, was he trying to replicate something that he really enjoyed when he was there? Uh, not necessarily when he was there. It's, it's kind of a weird thing, but, um, a lot of the Italian Pilsners out of like New York city actually, I think inspired him more. Okay. Um, so you just, just the idea of taking a traditional kind of German style and dry hopping it with interesting hops that give it all that kind of flavor and aroma. Um, it's, yeah, it's sort of an American thing. I think that breweries like, you know, other half is known really well for their IPAs, but, um, they've done sort of a pretty wide range of style as well. Um, just, yeah, something sort of more modern, a modern twist on an older, older style of, of beer. I love this. This is, this is good. But it's, you know, it's, I think it's our most approachable, easy drinking, solid, just really good beer, you know? Yeah. It's, um, su it's super crisp, re like really, really yeah. refreshing. Like, like it's, um, yeah, like this is one of those ones that you could drink any day of the year. Yeah. Yeah, approachable ABV too. You know, purposely yes, made it definitely. a little later, mm -hmm. 4.8. So, you know, we're conscious of, of that. Um, we could talk a bit later about our packaging choices, but some of our higher ABV beers came initially in short cans uh, only. But this is one, yeah, just for sort of drinking any time of day. That's no, perfect. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly what it needs to be. And I do appreciate a good uh, – I mean, the short cans are cool for these for this style. I guess we'll talk about that later. But I do – Yeah. I don't know. I just love Crispy Boys so much. The short cans just aren't enough for the most part. Yeah, the short can. I agree. Yeah, short cans aren't enough. Yes. You want, you want a little more. Uh, yeah, and for like, and for something that's like that's under five percent, like like that's something like you can crush a tall boy of uh, like a four point eight, no problem. Easy. Multiple. Oh yeah. Particularly this one. Yeah. Easy. No, this is great, man. Yeah, especially something that's you know re relatively light. Um, yeah, some of our, you know, we've done a gelato sour series. We put those in short cans in part because they're just a bit more rich and, yeah, creamy, a little heavier. This okay. one is not. Yep. Not heavy. Yeah, packaging is a is a big thing as well. I, I definitely want to get into that because it's something that yeah. uh, I feel like we were talking about that the other night on the chin magnate, weren't we? About the packaging for big we scouts and stuff. Um, we you know, we've got some. Uh, I definitely, definitely want to get into that because it's fun. Definitely prefer the big, uh, the big beers in smaller packages. So you know, otherwise you end up yeah. with a seller of eight trillion seven fifties. And uh, well, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, there are some suppliers that are talking about doing two fifty mil cans. Yes, um, and it. that'll be yeah. I think that's something that we would definitely explore when it comes to yeah packaging big imperial stouts, or if we we're doing a variation on something that's a bit more unique. And yeah, it's it's it'd be a lot to ask someone to have an eleven percent stout in a even in a three fifty five mil can. I was the, the funny thing about that was I don't I usually have uh, because of the the pandemic I sort of made a more stricter drinking schedule for myself and Wednesdays is my is one of my days off it's like three it's three days off four days on and the Wednesday I've began to maybe during the summer I was feeling a bit cheeky and I started to cheat on that a bit but I would have a, an eleven percent stout at like 
11 p.m. I'm a bit of a night owl. So like yeah. at the end of the night after dinner, I would have that. And because I didn't have any other beers and I wasn't having any after, I could easily drink a 500 ml bottle of an 11% stout and you kind of barely feel anything. Maybe because you've just right. had food and it kind of just feels like this sweet like treat that uh, yeah, other, like, otherwise you're just like, oh, and like I, And like we've talked about with this, that's definitely one of those cases of when you've got a bottle of that size, you're usually nursing it over uh, like over like an hour and a half or something like that. But it's, uh, but it's funny how these things evolve though because I'm like I'm thinking back – like five, six years, um, when I was kind of like earlier, like earlier on in my, like in my craft beer journey. And I feel like, uh, like the bottles were bigger back then. Like it was more common for those big beers to be in big 750 mil bottles. Like even like the, uh, like even, um, like some of the bigger ones, like Nickel Brooks, uh, the Bastard series, like used to be in 750 mils. I'm pretty sure, uh, like some of some of the other common LCBO ones would be like would be in that size as well, and these are like you know twelve to fourteen percent imperial stouts. Like if you're not sharing that, like that'll just get you wrecked. <laughs> yeah. But I like the trend towards smaller formats. Like that seems to be the direction that it's going in, and I think that's for the better. Yeah. Well, it maybe allows you to try more too, right? Um, yeah. We want people to yeah be able to try everything we have. Uh, at some point. Um, it's interesting though, you mentioned the, the big bottles. They used to come in huge bottles. One of the reasons why we, we would like the 250 um, is to kind of ha- allow people to drink that beer that would never have it, right? Hmm. So many people would see that yeah. 650 mil or 750 mil bottle and just never even want to try it. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's but intimidating. It's, just, it's intimidating. It's really intimidating. Yeah, unless you have a friend or two or three lined up um, to share it with. Um, it's really see. almost like the package version, uh, like of a taproom <laughs> taster, uh, the, but that, uh, like, right. but the, that, that you can take home. Like, like you say, it's so yeah. much less intimidating that would actually open up more people to it if they can get it in a, uh, like in a really like not as intimidating format. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you can yeah. even include price point in that too, because a bottle, you know, sometimes $20 and plus, depending on what style of imperial stout it is if it's barrel aged or it's got adjuncts and stuff and who really wants to roll the dice on something that you know they may or may not like may or may not be totally. good objectively like yeah. it's a yeah. it's, it's a bit of a risk uh, something that has changed over time they're like we were saying and traditionally it was only those big dogs and you didn't really have a choice and then now there has been that and i think that it comes down to what you're saying andrew about the you know that that letting everyone who wouldn't want to risk that 25 bucks and also be like, when am I going to drink this into this 250 that they can easily build into their evening with two, three, four other beers or whatever. And it's not yeah. such a yep. big deal. You know? Yeah. And yeah. And it's, we're, we're full of contradictions to be honest. Uh, so like we, we uh, started with oats and cream. We had a double IPA at the time. And then we had a light hazy pale ale, which was a 3% sort of new England style ale. And they were all in short cans. And uh, we had great feedback from, you know, people that don't love IPAs or didn't love IPAs at the time that it was very approachable to them, right? Mm. Uh, the style, but also the, the size. And so we're mindful of our customers to try and bring in a more diverse customer base who aren't just wanting to get drunk on tall cans of double IPA. But then at the same time, recently, we've been releasing tall cans of double IPA. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tricky, you know, it's tricky. <sighs> Got to do what the market wants. Um, 
that is a good thing it's a good thing to it's a good thing to be mindful of though to uh like to be conscious of what is going to be kind of like a more welcoming format uh like to like to bring in uh like a broader customer base as you see um so we kind of dove straight into uh, straight into packaging formats. Should we uh, uh, should we uh, jump back and uh, like and get into your beer story, like how uh, how you um, uh, sort of how uh, like how you came into uh, came into the industry, uh, like and what's your background before uh, <laughs> like before fine balance and whatnot? Yeah, for sure. It's um, a little bit random, I think. Uh, so I was an academic. Uh, I still teach a little bit, uh, university level, um, but it's been pulled way back because I am full time at the brewery. Um, but I study work in technology and organizations, and uh, you know, a few years ago, okay, at the same time, done some home brewing, not at an expert level, not at the level that would allow me to say I'm going to start my own brewery and be in charge and brew everything myself. Um, especially given the sort of vision for the type of beers that we want to make uh yeah i hope that that sounds okay you know we want to do really high-end modern super high quality beers no matter what the style right um and we can maybe come back to that uh yeah so academic doing some home brewing i live in an old village in in a part of kingston it's called portsmouth village where uh, the, if I, you guys have heard of Kingston Penitentiary, it's sort of across mm-hmm. the street, Kingston's first penitentiary. And so, you know, 150, 200 years ago, this was a place that was filled with breweries. Started sort of reading about that as part of my work and part of my personal interest. And then, uh, you know, you know how it happens sometimes. You're having a couple beers with a friend. You spark a conversation, start talking about the fact that there used to be eight breweries in our neighborhood, you know, or within walking distance. And now there's none. Uh, and but it's starting to come back. What would it be like if we tried to, you know, reimagine what brewing could be like in this neighborhood or in Kingston in general? And uh, yeah, you know, sort of over the years, the next two three years, that <coughs> that sloppy conversation ended up becoming a reality, which still is sort of shocking and surprising to me. Um, awesome. And yeah, we we started looking for a space, and uh, eventually well, realized fairly quickly that we couldn't find a space in this neighborhood that I live in, Portsmouth Village, because there's not a lot of commercial space. And, you know, you have to start thinking about what's the size of your system going to be to be, you know, efficient enough, productive enough to actually try to make money one day. Um, Yeah. So I guess maybe about three years ago, started actively looking for a space, eventually found one. I will say with great help from the brewing community around here, um, McKinnon Brothers, in particular, they're kind of one of the the OGs in this part of the world. Um, I think they launched in 2014. Okay. Uh, Dan McKinnon was really helpful, kind of looking at spaces with me. And eventually, we found something in the east end of Kingston, which is not at all where we thought we'd be, but turns out it's pretty perfect to do what we want to do. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, luckily, so there's there's a backstory with different brewers professional brewers, professionally trained brewers coming and going, but ended up getting really lucky uh, with Eric, who's our head brewer now, who yeah, is professionally trained in Vermont, uh, previously worked at Stone City in Kingston, has a good relationship with some other breweries like Matron. They're kind of like a bit of a big brother brewery to us uh, from oh, the yes. county. And uh, yeah, and everything kind of fell into place. And I 
yeah, one, we're one year into it. I still can't sort of believe that everything has come together and we're continuing to exist and make, I think, you know, really good quality product and hopefully provide a really good customer experience for most people who uh, either step through our doors or have our beer delivered to them. Love it. Right on. That's awesome, man. And, uh, really? and yeah, that's, um, that's one of those things of like, like, like we're, we're not going to spend too, uh, like too much time on this because it's yeah. one of those things that just gets asked oh, like over and over again about like, uh, well, like what it's been like during the pandemic. But you guys, like a couple of other breweries that we know, like, uh, like Third Moon and Cinquième Baron and, uh, like, and even one of your neighbors, uh, Daft down there, like, like yeah. all breweries that opened up in the, uh, like in the middle of 2020 and uh, like it just, like just because timing just like really dealt you a blow there and kind of had to try to navigate your yeah. business in uh, like in the middle of that as opposed to what it would have been like if you had been able to just open your doors to the public on day one right yeah yeah i mean totally not what we had planned obviously like in terms of, of the different course. revenue streams tap room was supposed to be or like on-site sales was supposed to be pretty high um but i've always we've tried to look at it in a positive way from the beginning for us, and honestly, this you know, in Ontario, the change that the government made to allow takeaway beer um, was really massive. And so we're lucky, like in a sense, there's some really positive things that came out of it because we had a product that people were interested in. Um, we could sort of, I don't know, tell the story of the product easy. And, and for whatever reason, some bottle shops, like all these new bottle shops popping up, um, a few of them started to carry our product and then it kind of grew from there a little bit um but yeah instead of being in the tap room i was and other people a couple we're a very small team but um we were in the van you know once a week for two days and basically from i don't know february of of last year up until now of this year up until now we've been going somewhere every single week uh with a van full of stuff and you know our long-term uh, reach i think is uh, greatly benefited from that hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and also working with all these new businesses too, right? It's, it's been nice for us to partner up with some. Whether it's you know, there's I'm wearing a Tommy's. Um, a Tom, this is a place in Toronto that it's a tiny little store now. Uh, I think it was supposed to be something else, and they just push a lot of beer. Um, and yeah, Roncesvalles sort of area, mm-hmm. and then so you develop all these relationships with new businesses, and it's it's yeah, it's been. Nice. It's been a grind, but it's actually been been nice to have that. If we didn't have that, if there was, wasn't the sort of invention of bottle shops overnight, I think we would have been in. Well, we would have been in trouble for sure. Um, but it, yeah. What an, ev- life, what an evolution. Life. What an evolution that has been for. Uh, 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 like for for breweries in the province, eh? Um, and uh, like it's funny you mentioned that because like my my very first taste of uh, uh, like of your beer was um, uh, like was when Dominion City's friends of the Dominion shop uh, yeah. like uh, got some of, got some of your product in yeah. there, um, uh, yeah. like which was fantastic because uh, like yeah. because they're they're in town for me and I was able to just like get it like get it at a yeah. local shop. Um, and, and, and like we've talked before about uh, like about bar lupulus like they've been uh, like yeah. they've been really really great for the, the, like to have okay. brewers all over the province that we don't usually get here in Ottawa at, like which is just a, a fantastic evolution and um, like you're like what you're yeah. saying just really speaks to the value of being able to build your business with that oh yeah a massive yeah lupulus is one of our favorite accounts for sure. You know, they've been su- supporting us since the beginning for whatever reason. 
Um, you know, obviously we dropped off a lot of samples early on, uh, but uh, yeah, it's been, they, they went full tilt in the bottle shop too, right? Uh, yeah, on. they really did. Um, yeah. They went right into it and thankfully they had that opportunity. So, you know, as much yeah. as I, I kind of rag on the provincial government for a lot of things, this is one thing that's been really good for craft breweries. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they show up in strange places. Like, well, I mean, not strange places, but St. Catharines. Like, we have great relationship with Trust Beer Bar there. They, they had, I think at one point, he had like 300 SKUs, all only Ontario Jeez. craft beer. Like, it was just Amazing. insane. And he topped out, you know, I think he pulled back a little bit, but... He was, yeah. if you're selling it, he would buy it and he would sell it. So it's pretty, uh, like there've been some really nice stories like that. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that really like is it like, it's obviously mutually beneficial because you, like you guys get to sell more product and these places like Lupulus, like Tommy's, like, uh, like this other place, like they, like this is probably helping them keep the lights on uh, like during these, uh, like during yeah. these times. They've totally reinvented themselves, a lot of them, right? Absolutely. How did that um, um, plan – sorry to cut you off there, I just wanted to no, no, get – No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Because this is fascinating to me that it essentially using this – I think this thing wasn't spoken about enough, by the way, when I say you know, like the, the fact no. that bottle shots could be open. I feel like it was just kind of yeah. like casually – just it just yeah. started happening. No one wanted. No one wanted to rock the boat too much. I don't think. That's a that's a good point. Okay, that's fair enough. So then, if if that's the case, then how did you guys decide to uh, go along this route? Because I haven't heard anybody has that, that have used you know these bottle shops as essentially a whole marketing stream. That it, and you you seem yeah. to be crediting these bottle shops for for quite for a sure. part of your success. So how did it come about? You know. How did you sort of build that out? I mean, yeah, basically it's, it's not too complicated for us. It's just seeing what are the breweries that we really look up to? What are they doing? Right. And so some of them like third moon, for instance, they were in some of them, some of the places we wanted to be in. Uh, Where are they? Matron is a good example. Matron had pre-existing relationships with a lot of the restaurants that converted to bottle shops. Okay. So just having conversations with some of those breweries that we really look up to. And then, um, I mean, survival, like trying to think, okay, is our product good enough to be in the van once a week and try to sell it to whoever will buy it? I mean, strategically we'll buy it, um, you know, find the places that want to sell good craft beer and are willing to pay a little bit of a premium uh, and then just grind it out, like really just grind it out. Uh, yeah. And I guess you got some traction and you just kept it going. You're like, all right, this is working. Well, yeah. And double well, down. yeah. And timing. Yeah. Double down. Totally. As soon as we started to get some, a couple of bottle shops, it's let's find every bottle shop. And, you know, you talked to the, the guy at Tommy's in Toronto. He says, um, oh yeah. Like I, the, the guy from uh four seven on Bloor street up there was in <laughs> and uh, he tried one of your beers. He liked it. You should go talk to him. Oh, right. It's kind of word of mouth. Oh, yeah. There's like a really nice community of, again, like new business owners, kind of like myself, uh, who don't really know what we're doing, but are wanting to, I mean, we're figuring it out as we go, but we want to find community, right? We want to have genuine relationships with people. We really want to try to help each other out because it is a mutually beneficial relationship, I think. Um, Definitely. Yeah. But, but doing the work is a big thing. Like, you know, it's not easy to find these places and then just literally spend whatever, 12 or 14 hours 
in the van, just yeah. chugging away. Totally. But I'm, I'm very grateful. Honestly, it was, it was a lifeline for us and it's, it wasn't talked about enough. People st still, people don't know about bottle shops. I think part of it is the, uh, yeah, like the laws are still <clears throat> ambiguous and <clears throat> a couple places we're in have been threatened by, you know, AGCO inspectors. Technically you're supposed to sell food. I heard that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So some places like they might include the price of a 50 cent bag of chips in your order and you never get the chips. Like, um, oh. You're supposed to have some sort of uh, potential opportunity to consume on site, I think. So you should have like a table with two chairs and then you can have 500 products to go. So some of the rules are a bit, a bit ambiguous, I think. And we're just hoping that they're going to stay. Yeah. Because um, obviously, so the model though is important too, right? It's like not, you get to try it in Ottawa, but you're also willing to pay Dominion City like an extra dollar, you know, 20% or something on top of uh, our price because that gives you access to our product in that market. Uh, which is really nice. Does. It's a great, it's a great model for bottle shops and for us, it, it, you know, the LCBO is not very attractive right now for us because in part, because our beer costs a lot to make. And if we have to sell it to them at such a discount, you know, to get yeah. whatever final price we want, it almost doesn't mm. make sense for a lot of our beers. Mm. So it's a, and it's a really great things, alternative model. Yeah, for sure. And, and like one of the things that I find is beneficial about it too is that a lot of the beer that ends up in these places are places that like I could technically order from uh, the, the, like like I could place an order for like from Third Moon to like to send to me directly and I, like and I frequently do but um, I do like but I do also buy it from Dominion City or from Lupulus every like every now and then because. One like for one thing, I don't have to pay for shipping if it's right there. Yeah. Like, sure, I'll pay a couple bucks more per can, but I don't like, but I don't really mind that because I'm saving on shipping, and I also don't have to buy a four pack. Like, I can buy like yeah. I can buy it in singles it there. Can. So, like, there's yeah. benefits to being like to, to doing it both ways, and to just have those options open is a game changer. Yeah, it's good absolutely. for the consumer. It's good for like mm -hmm. it's good for the brewery. It's good for the bottle shop. Like, everyone wins. Yeah. 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 And hopefully the model will last. So I think what we're seeing now is yeah. some of the bottle shops are converting and just going back to being cafes or whatever. Um, there's one in Waterloo that's a great little place called uh, Princess Cafe and they open a sidewalk bottle yeah. shop. They just put a window, you know, takeaway window. It's awesome, but they're yeah. keeping all their fridges, you know, they invested in all these fridges. So now when you go inside, it's a wall of beer, which is that's awesome. Pretty cool. And hopefully, I mean, it, it seems like they're going to give it a go at least. Um, there seems to be a lot of demand for it there. A couple times I've been there and there's been a long line, you know, outside on the sidewalk, people waiting for their, their yep. new, new beer I've, drops. Um, yeah, I've heard people from the region talk about that place. They see, they, they seem to absolutely <laughs> love it. Like, uh, 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 like Ren Navarro has uh, like has mentioned that place a lot. Um, yeah. Craig from uh, uh, from Craft Brand Co. Uh, mm -hmm. the, like raves about that place. Like it, the, the people in the area seem to absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is that the so Mark who runs it, he now has developed expertise right in terms of like curating a beer list. Hmm. Um, yeah, which is really cool, and and he is, and some of these people are grinding it out too. Like he, I, I'm not sure if he's still doing pickups, but he would be going to Third Moon once a week, you know, going yeah. to Badlands, going to all these places to pick up beer, and um, yeah, he cares a lot about the products he's selling. You know, that's so, so yeah. important. So yeah. important. 
So I've got another question that I wanted to jump to, but it's probably about time to get another beer, isn't it? I think we're uh, we're I about there. Yeah. I love yeah. this goddamn pilsner. This is insane. I am so impressed. <laughs> I don't know if I've had a uh, a dry hopped Italian pilsner. I was just kind of thinking it before my last sip. I'm like, yeah, have I had a dry hopped Italian pilsner? I just don't think that's super common. I feel like people just keep them a little more uh, traditional. You know, it's glorious. Yep. Um, what are we thinking next? So I think. I think we should do oats and cream next. Sure. I like your vibes, Nathaniel. <laughs> uh, you stepping, guys, it up, right. little, stepping it up a little bit. Just a little. Yep. Whoever wants to go. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Now you grab it. I'll, I'll hold the fort if you like. All right. I can talk to myself. Yeah, guys, honestly, this is amazing. Um, I've been, like I was saying earlier, I've been wanting to try fine balance for some time. So, you know, Nate was out there, um, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. So he, he was raving about it, and uh, it's been awesome to actually give it a crack. Um, all right, you guys have got that. I'll grab mine. Um, do you yeah. want to talk about the, the beer? Sure. Yeah, so this is the first IPA that we released, <laughs> really. Um, definitely credit to Eric, our brewer, for this one. And I think it's, yeah, it's inspired – Definitely by the types of beers that other half are doing in Brooklyn. Right. Um, yeah. So the cream obviously refers to lactose. There's a little bit of lactose. Um, I would say that pretty much all the beers we do, we try to be subtle with, you know, subtle, smooth, somewhat refined. Yep. Um, yeah. So... I think the inspiration definitely comes from Brooklyn, New York, and yeah, just trying to create something that has a very unique flavor. Obviously, the hops are fairly, woof, you know, common New England style hops, um, Citra and Nelson Sauvin. Yep, expensive hops. Expensive hops for sure. Yeah. Um, oh my God, the aroma on this is spectacular. Yeah, insane. So nice. And this is seriously one of those beers that. Um, needs to be consumed pretty fresh there's an yeah. argument that could be made that you know like up to about a month a month could be an ideal time um what do you reckon i think you know earlier the better in general yeah i, yeah. I don't like a month i would prefer two to three weeks tops even yeah like i think two. maybe i think two weeks yeah. yeah two weeks is probably good so that's now not this that's not being crazy though right yeah I was, I was October no, 18. It's, no, it's not being crazy. No. I feel like people have said, oh, man, come on, chill. Like, I feel like I've really, like, busted people's ass about, like, you know, if I'm getting an old beer or something like that. I just I just don't like yeah. the, the taste. Oh, Nate's got all the glassware. Yeah, Nate, um, Nate, we're on the uh, same schedule here. Well, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, we really <laughs> are. I missed, <laughs> I missed the memo. Um, no, you know what it is? You know what it was is I came by the brewery on my birthday weekend and my parents were with me and they bought me uh, uh, like a couple of glasses uh, like as a birthday gift. So that's that's why I'm rocking all the glassware. Very sweet. It's uh, beautiful. Um, very, very attractive. But yeah, so it's ideally it's not that heavy, even though there's some lactose in there. Like it's, you know, okay. maybe a bit thicker, but um, yeah, the aroma is kind of insane. Like oh, really it's amazing. Uh, fresh. And this and is such a Nelson. Um, and this is yeah. a uh, – I noticed that you've got the double um, uh, oats and cream. That one seemed mm -hmm. to be a rotating hop or hop blend, whereas this is a standard Citra Nelson the whole time? This is standard Citra Nelson, yeah. And to okay. be honest, so the double oats and cream 
we've, we've done a few doubles uh, that we're rotating. Okay. So one of them is, uh, one of them is Citra only, only mm-hmm. Citra, call it Reflection. It's, I think, maybe my favorite double just because I'm partial to Citra as a hop. Mm-hmm. Um, another one was uh, Motueka we've done a few times as a single Eight. IPA, single hop IPA, which is nice. And then mosaic. So a lot of people love mosaic. I do too. Can't go wrong. But yep. that's probably our maybe our most popular. And then we done we did a double with mosaic and enigma. It was also extremely good. Um, but sorry, the double oats and cream. So for our anniversary, we just had our first anniversary, and mm-hmm. uh, we did a double version of this exact same like same hops, just mm-hmm. you know thirty percent more. And then we did a variation on the double oats and cream that had motueka and mosaic in it. Uh, again, same recipe, just different dry hop, and they were both really, really good. Um, we're starting to, we're, you know, we're learning from breweries like Wood Brothers and Third Moon um, to go bigger on our hops at times. It's a bit of a, we could talk about that as a separate sort of issue, but it's a bit of a um, tightrope or balancing act for us here in Kingston, I think, trying to figure out like what, what's our price point and how much you know do we want to spend. Yeah. Um, but this one I think is, yeah, pretty, pretty great as sort of a flagship IPA. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Where, where I think you've struck a really, uh, like a really nice balance with, uh, like with this, fine um, balance. I mean, like, fine, I think, yeah, a very, fi- a very fine balance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look what we did there. Um, <laughs> It's too easy. What I think, what I think you've managed to do here is that I think it's easy for a lot of breweries to fall into their flagship beer, kind of coming off as a like as a bit basic and a little too oversimplistic, um, right. and uh, like and it's not a like it's not a bad thing. It's like it's just. Um, it like it's just like their flagship beer like can sometimes like like can sometimes be like become known as like as just kind of like a shrug so like sort of IPA because it they, like there's almost too much of an effort to make it too approachable that it just becomes a bit bland um, right. and uh, like and at the same yeah. time a flagship IPA can't be super bold uh the, the, like really like punch you in the face with bitterness and uh like and like and be too intimidating either this is like it's it's a bold hop choice citra and nelson but it's uh, like but it's used in a way that is not coming off too intimidating um and i mean like it's uh, okay, this is actually stronger than I thought th- than I thought it was. It's seven point one percent. It's seven point one percent, but it doesn't drink like seven percent. Like yeah. uh, like you like you yeah. could have figured this was maybe uh, maybe around six, but it it drinks very approachably, but also very mm-hmm. interesting. Like it's got that super creamy mouthfeel, um, yeah. and like so, like just really nice like overripe pe- overripe peach uh, the, like flavor going on with it. Like a bit of kind of like a um, like a white grape thing from the like from the Nelson coming through. The like Nelson, it's got a yeah. it's got a lovely flavor profile. Yeah. So it's it strikes the right balance of bold and approachable. I think, which makes it a really really nice flagship beer. Which <laughs> kind of does. I really I enjoy that analysis. Yeah. <laughs> that was great analysis. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, 
uh, so that kind of dovetails into the question that I was coming, uh, like I, I wanted to come back to something that you said when you were talking about um, your brewing story was that like, you mentioned like having a very specific idea of the kinds of beers that you wanted to brew. Can you uh, expand on that? Yeah, I mean, so part of it, the sort of personal story is that I have a close friend who actually invested a little bit in the brewery who's from Portland, Maine. Um, okay. So I spent, I spent a lot of time going down there. Uh, and seeing what they're doing. Um, you know, breweries like Bissell Brothers, obviously, uh, if you guys know them, or Austin oh, yeah. Street, or, um, you know, a bunch, main, main beer company. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, being in Kingston, so I moved to Kingston from Edmonton. Um, uh, Edmonton, Alberta has a growing beer scene now, actually. But in Kingston, there's a lot of great breweries, but they sort of specialize in, in different areas. Wasn't seeing a lot of that style here at all. Um, mm. If you look outside of Kingston, to and Stone City is a bit of a, a sort of one-off uh, or like to outlier. the side, based based on outlier, based on their size and yeah, how they package and all that kind of stuff. Um, great, obviously they have a great tradition and they're kind of leaders in many ways in, in Kingston. Um, but yeah, there's just I guess that sort of more modern style, juicy, hazy IPAs not super accessible in Kingston, at least. And, and in the region more generally, it's starting, it's changing now uh, with Daft. So Daft wasn't open and Matron was very fresh and new. Um, not that they really specialize in hazy IPAs. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I think that that was it. Like try to do something different and try to really get people to change their minds locally as to what good, good beer tastes like and looks like. Um, that was kind of the goal, uh, seeing an opportunity here in the region for that. And it's still like, it, it still requires education. People are confused. Seriously. There was, a, I won't say like where or whatever, but there was a bartender that asked me recently, uh, <clears throat> had dropped off kegs and then stayed for lunch, had asked me to come and look at the keg and, and the setup, um, because it wasn't pouring right. And it was one of our IPAs on tap that was pouring, you know, a little more orange juice like than this. Mm -hmm. And he was concerned that there was something wrong with the, the beer. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, and he wasn't, and to the point where someone had ordered it and they weren't serving it to this person because they were worried it there was something wrong with it. So, you know, Ooh. the education, educational aspect, I'm like, no, that is a really, great beer it was just packaged two days ago it's super fresh it's it's good give it to them now uh, yeah yeah please <laughs> but but you know what but so here we're i think okay i think the not to bash on kingston too much but we're always like a little bit behind kingston's a bit behind toronto uh and other parts of ontario and and toronto is maybe a bit behind kind of what's been happening in new england or the west coast of the u.s mm -hmm. uh, in terms of craft beer so yeah just trying to catch up a bit and it's, it's happening in full force, like all around us too. Um, yeah. But it's, I think it was it's still a good time for us. Yeah, the whole region is, is really coming up. We've been, my partner and I have been spending a bunch of, trying to spend more time out in PEC specifically. Yeah. And just seeing where, you know, we're friends with Justin from, from Matron's, a mate, and Matt and Drew from yeah. 555, and, and a few people around it. Like, you know, Slake is coming up as well out there. And I feel oh, like yeah. that, and the wine, the wine scene out there, I feel like it's like, it's on the it's like that's it's sort of on the cusp of really exploding and now if you you know expand yeah. bay quinty with you guys and daft and things like that that are like 
doing those more forward-thinking, trendy beers that are inspired by, like you were saying, things from Maine and, and Vermont. I was actually yeah. going to ask about the brewer if he his training in Vermont had anything to do with the beers, but like that oh, is, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a so. I imagine so. It's just so. Yeah. It's such a welcome because I always felt the the beer in that area was always like, it's cool, it's fine, but it's it traditional. Needed, Traditional, and that's that's fine. But I, I guess it used to be essentially a retiree area, and you know, even talking to people out there about housing prices and stuff since the pandemic happened, you know, good old Torontonians ruining everything as usual. They come out there and fuck up the game for all the the housing prices, which is not fun. Yeah, and now it's crazy. Yeah. I think, but at the same token, that's a one negative side. But the positive side is that that influx of people who want third wave cafes, who want to drink the same you know Bellwood style stuff but out there and not yeah. have to order from Toronto or whatever. I think that will sort of force the region to, you know, get with the times a little faster. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I appreciate it as, you know, we went out there like a couple months ago. We're going back in a couple of weeks to, to soak it up a bit more. And um, yeah. it's, it's nice. I feel like it's like, it's almost like exciting. Like I'm like, cause I'm from Australia and I remember I've been here 11 years, but I was been going back only for the last uh, Whatever, five, I've been back three times in 11 years and just seeing the beard scene change every time I go back, I'm like, damn, it's yeah. probably like the most exciting place in the world because then they can tap <laughs> in to all of the different, you know, knowledge bases over here, make all this stuff. And then I go back one year, I'm like, oh, it's not bad. I come back the next year, I'm like, hey, you guys are really getting there. And obviously the pandemic yeah. ruined everything, so I haven't seen the last couple <laughs> of years. But I think I, I see the Bay of Quinty region where Kingston and PC and stuff in that same way. Oh, yeah. I think it's like, it's cool that it's coming up. Well, there's a lot of forward thinking people, I think that's mm. it. Like, you know, when Justin and when they went to the County, they saw opportunity to do things differently there, you know, and yep. push things forward and fill a gap. That's part of it. Right. Like, Definitely. Uh, yeah. Pushing things forward. But it's, it's funny. You're talking about products and like people moving from Kingston or sorry, moving from Toronto to Kingston, which happened a lot, I guess, during the pandemic, you know, yeah. some people cashed out on properties. Other people were looking to buy their first home and Kingston seemed better than, than the, than the GTA. Um, one of the f small things we did during the pandemic was buy a freezer. Like I, you know, I bought like a, just a two door stand up big freezer and uh, filled it with products. So a lot of the products came from Kingston restaurants, you know, who were doing frozen food to go. And that was great because people want to support local and it helped us develop some relationships that, you know, paid off down the line. But the other thing we did was start carrying pizzas from Pizzeria Libretto, uh, which I don't Ooh. know if you guys have yeah, heard of this place, but it's like yeah, a yeah. chain in Toronto. So they, they had, they've had crazy pandemic success uh, making frozen pizzas. So one of their restaurants, they, they've now converted uh, to be a full-time pizza-making factory, basically. Yeah. Frozen, frozen pizza-making factory. So we were selling like a ton of these pizzas every week, which was awesome. That's and, sick. you know, we look around and my brewer actually, so his partner has a successful like general store, uh, small kind of grocery store in, in the neighborhood. And uh, we're looking around and we're like, no one else is doing this. It's not hard. Again, we just get in the van. <laughs> we have deliveries to do in Toronto. We'll do our deliveries. Then we'll pick up like 400 pizzas, you know, packed in boxes, bring them back and sell them. And, you know, it wasn't a huge revenue source for us, but it was pretty sweet during that. Um, and I, I credit Eric for most of that. Uh, but just like having that idea, like, what can we do? What do people mm. want here? Oh, they want Pizzeria Libretto. They want a high quality frozen pizza that takes five and a half minutes in the oven and... You know, it tastes 
like it was made at the, at the pizza place. So, I love um, it. I love yeah. that stuff. And that's what, so places like Matron are doing, you know, a lot of places are doing that for mm. sure. Um, but it's, it's slow. It's just slower here. Right. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. I'm realizing as a city kid and now actually considering spending more time out there, I'm like, there's something to it. And Justin was showing us the bat. We hadn't been to Matron before. So we went and saw him uh, like last trip in September and he was showing, he goes, yeah, I got 14 acres. See those woods over there? Just behind that, we've got all oh, us. Yeah. See at the back there, all the way to the end? That's us. I'm thinking about building a house up there, building a basketball <laughs> yeah. court. I'm like, geez, all I could see there was potential. Like my yeah. whole body was tingling with potential and I don't see that in the city because it's priced out. And I feel like yeah. there is such a beautiful place because it's starting to get a little bit, I don't want to say ruined because like, you know, my girlfriend's from Toronto. I spend a lot of time there too. But you know, the Toronto folks, as they tend to do, spread out because Toronto is too pricey and they'll come and they'll push the prices up. But at the same token, that like it's, it's at that cusp where it, you know, if you catch it in a few years' time, it's going to be maybe too expensive. Yeah. But right now, totally. this is exciting because of things like that, because of people like yourself yeah. and your team yeah. that are forward thinking and going and doing something small like bringing the Toronto frozen pizza up. Like that is cool because no one else is doing it. And that's really all it comes down yeah. to is no one else is yeah. doing it. There's definitely a need for it. There's a need for beers yeah. like oats and cream out there because even like if, you know, there wasn't, there isn't, you go to all the bars around in, on the island itself or around, you know, unless you, if you're not, you're not in there already. There isn't a ton of stuff like this. There's still a huge yeah. gap because most of the breweries are still quite traditional. So I don't know. I just think it's like yeah. it makes it because of that opportunity. It makes it more exciting, I guess, for you as an entrepreneur and just for the yeah. consumers being like, man, these guys are doing this sick stuff to bring. Even if they're locals and didn't even know about it, they might be like, hey, it's yeah. this famous Toronto chain. Let's get this pizza and then drink this. Yeah. We eat orange juice here. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why does it look like orange juice? <laughs> oh, yeah. The guy actually made some analogy to a McDonald's drink of some sort. I don't know. Oh, McDonald's. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Um, I want yeah, to no, quickly... it's, it's true. No, go. Sorry, go. No, no. I, no, I was just saying part of it is uh, – the hard part is the educational side of it, though. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to get people that are conservative, uh, like, you know, have a certain way of thinking the world. So these pizzas, you know, the frozen pizzas from Libretto, they're not cheap either, right? It's like, you're going to sell a pizza for $14, a frozen pizza for $14? Like, well, you should try it. And then, you know, they try it and they might come back and buy more. So, uh, yeah. but it's the same with our beer. It's, you know, why is when we first opened, not okay. In the grand scheme of things, we haven't had too many complaints about price. Um, but someone comes in and says, I can go to X brewery, you know, in town or out of town, and I get a tall can of whatever for like a dollar less than your oats and cream. Why is that? It's like, well, I could, there's many reasons. There are many <laughs> reasons. But Here's the uh, hot pricing sheet. Take a look yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, I mean, ingredients is our, our first sort of line of defense for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in yeah. general, we tell you the ingredients that go into the beer too. We're not, uh, yeah, disguising no, it. That like and that's a good thing to uh, like to, to be upfront about and it's yeah yeah but like very clearly labeled here like ingredients water malted barley oats lactose hops yeast yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, a yeah. it, it like it, it's one of those things that I wish more people did yeah yeah well and, and online we generally so I fumbled with the testaccio because I never think about those hops you know it's like 
sapphire, whatever, like, you know, hops that don't mean that much to me because <laughs> I, I primarily like IPAs. But if we're going to release an IPA, you're going to know the hop. Right. Yeah. Yeah, different. No vibes. matter what it is. Yeah, you're going to know whatever it is. Um, those are the hops that we spend money on. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, like it's one of those things. Like very naturally, even as beer drinkers, we don't often think of the hops that are in uh, um, that are in a pills unless it's like unless it's something that is kind of marketed as an aggressively dry hopped pills. You don't generally yeah. think of the hops that are in it, or if you do, you like you know you're thinking of some of the uh, like, like some of kind of the standards like with a Czech pills, you're thinking Saz or something like that. But if you're thinking yeah. of an Italian pills, I'm thinking like, I can't think of any hops that are standard for an Italian pills. <laughs> no, no. It's a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to just ask about the, uh, no, sorry, man. It's the old, uh, you know, virtual, virtual combos. Um, unless you want to say something about that, I just want to touch on your brewer being um, trained in Vermont and yeah. that resulting sure. in yeah. the style of beers that you guys do because I came into this just one, loving the branding, loving what I'd yeah. sort of seen and heard online and specifically when Nate was there, I was like, please you know, tell me, I'm, I'm fascinated and he was raving about it. So I'm like, okay, sick. Yeah. But I still didn't really have an idea of when I think of fine balance, I didn't know this was your uh, flagship, which is even cooler to me that you, exactly what yeah. Nate said, you chose a, non-pedestrian big lactose of cloth i've never seen a lactose yeah. ipa new england ipa as a flagship like that in and of itself is my no mind. um yeah you know how, how did you guys uh want you know and, and sort of nate touched on this earlier as far as like you wanted to do something that was missing in the area but could you kind of elaborate on that a bit and, and talk about how the your, your eric was the brewer right yeah, um, eric, yeah. yeah. And, and how he yeah, so we- influenced that yeah, so he studied in Vermont, uh, did brewing school down there. Um, he's, when he was there, obviously, he spent a lot of time in the region, like traveling around. I think he's – I'm more partial to, like, Maine, Vermont. He's a bit more partial to Brooklyn. Okay. Um, but they're all – they're similar styles. And, yeah, for me, it was essential that we have that we had a head brewer that could make hazy IPAs, you know. And well. Like, and really well. Yeah, really well. There are hazy IPAs in the region, maybe outside of Kingston, that aren't even really hazy IPAs. Like there's some New England IPAs that come out uh, that are poured, um, you know, like copper color. Um, But But so everything is kind of inspired. Even like when we talk about the branding and the packaging, again, I spent a lot of time in Portland, Portland, Maine. The designer who did the initial concept. So I actually hired someone just to do this uh, template okay. initially. Um, he was from Portland. Like he works with a lot of the big breweries down there. He's a one person mm-hmm. shop, but I specifically sought someone out, which is maybe unfair. Like now I, we do work with a local designer in Kingston who does a lot of, who did to statue actually. Uh, he does a lot of great designs, um, but at the beginning cool. it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he does amazing designs, actually. Um, he's done probably seven or eight of our, of our labels. Um, but for that initial design, I was thinking, okay, let's, we should go outside of the box. And in this case, we're actually going to go outside of the country, find someone who works with breweries that Eric and I respect, you know, um, and see what he can come up with. And he came up with two drastically different designs. One of them I hated and one of them we sort of loved, so... Sorry. Here we there are. Series talk. 
Yeah. So here we end up with this and, uh, you know, it's clean. It's yeah. Modern, I think is, is kind of mm. what we're going for. Simple. It can stand out based on its sort of simple, clean line design. Um, and, yep. uh, and yeah, and so we weren't seeing that. I wasn't seeing that here so much. Um, mm. I think there's a lot of breweries that have amazing, uh, design like collective arts or something like what a great concept, you know, you can't do that. You can't do that again. Like they, they have that pretty well cornered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just for me, for practically, it's nice to have something that's simple that we can actually work with and that we can modify a bit and, and change and, you know, love and see it grow without, having to hire someone new every time to do something crazy. So yeah, yep. it's, it's worked out. And, oh, the other thing I should say is we, this is another maybe topic, but we do a lot of small batch stuff too. So yeah. it allows us to do short run labels of, of things very easily, like having a nice set template that, that we like and we can go to anytime. Right. Um, so you just like change the, change the beer name and the information there and, and change the color and then, the color. yeah. I love and the color. We can do, yeah, it's 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 really nice. Super um, cool. But yeah, so we can do uh, you know like five hundred, or we do a lot of pilot batch uh, releases that might be up to six hundred cans. So we can just get six hundred labels printed. We don't have to invest a lot in that beer in terms of the design. Um, yeah, because there's already you know a lot of labor involved in a pilot batch release anyways. So yeah, I guess if it works, and you can scale it up. Sorry, Nate, I know. Yeah, no, it's all right. Go ahead. No, that was it. I just wanted to make that oh, okay. comment that is a lot. Please go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something that I like that I appreciate is that like it's it's clear that your brewer has uh, like has quite a bit of um, has quite a bit of depth um, because like I like you were saying like you know you've definitely got a brewer who like who can make a very good hazy IPA and like. Um, and like, and even for a lactose IPA, something that is still quite like quite balanced and refined and like and approachable, mm-hmm. uh, that like and like is really doing that mark very well. But at the same time, it like has a very regular run of good loggers too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the like the Marzen that you like that you guys put out that was fucking great. It was it was good. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that so we have a assistant brewer. Uh, who did that beer Richard yeah who has a great like he's got a great pedigree as well brewed a lot on his own and that was his baby that Marzen you know um, mm. I think he he brewed one a few years ago he wanted to brew it and yeah came out really good uh, it was perfect yeah, um, yeah I think so that's uh, like that, that, that that's brilliant that you've got um, kind of that balanced skill set in your brewing mm-hmm. team mm. um, it's uh it's one of those things that is a bit rare in the industry, like particularly among new breweries um, these days. I find, and um, like, and, and, and I mean, there's a lot of uh, like there's a lot of rage and whatnot on um, like on Twitter about like about hype breweries and and <laughs> like and I'm not. Uh, uh, and I'm not joining in on that. Like, I, like, I, like, there are a lot of hype, like hype breweries that I love. At the same time, yeah. I acknowledge kind of the problematic nature of hype chasing and kind of the direction that it pulls the industry in. Um, 
but what I think, like, but what I think is good is when there are breweries that come out of it that can, like, your 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 branding is fucking brilliant on this because because I, like, I I was almost gonna say it again just completely by accident is that like you guys run a <laughs> fine good balance, fine balance yeah. on this <laughs> uh, like like in terms of like in terms of what you put out no but it's it's really true yeah. though like because you're putting out like like a very good hazy IPA that is very yeah. thoughtfully brewed um and at the same like and at the same time like you know you you've got that balanced skill set on your team. That yeah, like yeah. that you're putting out like good loggers in in like in a quite creative range there as well because you've got that like you've got this Italian pills you've got like you've got a Marzen it, it's it is a good um it, like it's a really really good diverse lineup that you guys have yeah yeah no I appreciate you saying that it's uh, I mean it, I think it's so it's tied into our philosophy I guess like even this idea of fine balance in a sort of cheesy way we're trying to offer a fine balance of beers you know like everyone can find their like everyone should be able to find their their style or whatever so that that is while we want to specialize to some extent in like hazy IPAs um, we do want to do everything really well mm. and so that's I think is our identity um, you know we we can we can look up to breweries like third moon that actually do a lot of really, a lot of things well, um, or that are some of the more heavy IPA centric breweries, um, and try to learn from them for those, from those aspects. But what we're going to do is try to do everything. And literally like, yep. I think we did 25 releases, like different beers in our first year. Many of them were IPAs, but we did. Yeah, we have two Pilsners. Like, if you go down to Craft in Ottawa, which might be a divisive place, um, they have our uh, Wolf. I, they're, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, they're nice, you know, good customers and all that. But they have our Wolf, Wolf Meets Raven Lager, four point three percent Lager, and they took that on tap right. like permanently, which is amazing. They needed a Lager to fill their their page. I wish we'd done, we've done a British Mild Ale that you know has a fan base. Um, my father-in-law is probably like, you know, at the top of that list and, and, a, lot of his, and a lot of his friends, but I could go for a 4.1% British mild once in a while, you know, it's, it's yeah, sure. a Vizen, yeah. like this summer, one of our, one of the beers we crushed it with in bottle shops was our Vizen because there's not a lot of Vizen, like there's not a lot of good Vizens on the market in hmm. Ontario. That's true. So for a while we were sending out cases and cases of Vizen to all these bottle shops and kegs because they needed... Yeah, they needed something, right? So yep. I think that's our kind of part of our identity is just everything we do, try to do it to a really high standard. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's and, great. And balance it out. Right. Is it time for the next beer, I think? I'm with it. Look at that. We're basically on the hour here. I'm, I'm, this, I'm so, yeah. so impressed. I am so, I'm so impressed. Thanks. I'm is... glad it's tasting good for you. Probably spent two days in the mail kind of sitting somewhere, but yeah, do you know what was, I was actually said today and I was a little stressed. So I have, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in an apartment building and I didn't get, uh, I guess any, I did maybe that day I didn't check it and I guess it's starting to get cold and typically the lobby, they, we have this big uh... ass table where they just chuck packages. <laughs> Normally all yeah. summer long, that lobby is air conditioned. It's a perfect place for it to wait. This came at a time when the heater is on, even though it probably oh, yeah. wasn't necessary. And when I got the box, I was saying that I was like, oh my God, the, like, oh, I wouldn't say hot, but much warmer than I was comfortable yeah. with. 
So I got that. I was like, oh man, I hope these are okay. And this is glorious. So I'm glad it tastes good. Yeah, man. What? um, It's amazing. What? What? What were you guys thinking for uh, nexties? We have we have a plethora of options. Yeah, we do have a plethora. I call it. You Why don't you have a? Uh, yeah, yeah I've I've got an idea. Just so that we're get, just so that we're hitting a good range of the styles here. Why don't we grab that gelato sour? Okay. Yeah. You guys have the strawberry, right? Strawberry I think it was strawberry. Yes. It was a pink one. Yeah. Nice. I'm gonna get that. Yeah. Grab yours. Nate, you can go. I'll I'll keep talking. I'll grab right. mine. The tick. Good job. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Honestly, guys, like this is two for two. This is this is a one. I was a little bit concerned about the the heat, but it did not affect it. So that's all I can ask for. Probably better than the cold when the cold freezes up a beer. But yeah, I really love what Nate said about this being a bold choice for a uh, flagship beer, like a you know, seven point one percent lactose you know, oats and cream IPA, New England IPA as a flagship, which is just a uh, phenomenal concept for a flagship beer and it's just like it's just in that right zone of like it's just sort of sweet enough you know there's a bit of lactose in there but like it's not overly crazy if you're having a slushy beer would you put it in the freezer uh if i was having a slushy yeah i've done that before with smoothie sours like say rorschach or uh, third moon or brewski yeah chuck them in there do you guys do like smoothie sours or slushies or whatever we haven't, no. no. We might Would you say point. yet? I was going to say. It's, it's now I'm understanding more about what you yeah. guys do, which is actually more of a, a yeah. wider breadth than even I anticipated because I remember Nate posted the photo of him drinking the Marzen from, from you guys. So I was like, oh, okay, we're doing the Marzen. And typically yeah. the breweries that you're, you're sort of like following in the, in the footsteps of uh, don't always have that type of beer. I think I'm doing a Marzen or, or a British Mild, although the mild yeah. the mild's caught on a bit since that, uh, we brewed ours. But I think that's even cooler that you're able to make this yeah. level quality New England IPAs with a dry hub beautiful yeah. Pilsner and then still be able to do these other type of beers that maybe the the hype lords aren't going to be creaming over, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're um, they're a ton of fun. I'm going to grab my uh, strawberry banger. Do you guys want to talk about that? I'll be back right. in a sec. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you so it's funny. Yeah. yeah, you have the strawberry vanilla. So this is yes. turning into a bit of a series for us, actually. Um, this is the first one we released in the series. Gelato sour oh, strawberry the vanilla. Okay. The first, yeah. So we've we've released it a bunch of times, but this sort of um, it's funny. I hadn't heard the term <clears throat> hype beer for a long time. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, up until up until maybe we released this beer. Yeah. Uh, from one of our from one of our licensees who wanted to buy it because it was he thought it was going to be hype beer, um, right? Yeah, it's it's been good and it's I don't know I mean it's it's introduced a larger market to us or you know a more diverse customer base which I think has been really important um, yep. and from that we've decided to sort of lean into it or go almost all in with this gelato sour series. So there's a little bit of lactose in here, which makes it extremely creamy. Um, Ooh, yeah. This one has a few hundred pounds of strawberry puree, organic strawberry puree wow. in it. And vanilla, a lot of vanilla. The vanilla kind of comes through on the finish a little bit. Mm. But it, again, it's sort of like everything we do, pretty subtle, not yep. overly sour. 
You know, you're not going to pucker up or anything drinking it. You're looking at five no, no, very, very drinkable. Ooh, my head is crazy. Look at that. Like, I love that uh, murkiness in here. That's a lot of uh, the puree. I'm here for that, bro. Yeah, and for uh, like, and for a beer with puree in it to have, like, to have like a good frothy head like that, like it, it, that, that can often get lost in uh, in beers with uh, like with fruit puree, which is uh, really just came out quite nice. Um, We're very concerned yeah. with carbonation levels. <laughs> I could see yeah. that. Wow. Well, this head is uh, a one, like you were saying, and, uh, and just a gorgeous color too. Yeah, it's beautiful. It looks beautiful. Yeah, this this is yeah. nice. So I'm saying that I was saying we um, this was the first one we released. I think we brewed it two or three times in fairly quick succession because it was going fast. There was a lot of demand, especially we brewed this at the beginning of the summer, uh, bottle shops and other places. Um, but yeah, it's bringing in a more sort of diverse clientele. A lot of women love this beer. It's very approachable. And so Super. for our anniversary a couple of weeks ago, we did two variations. We've actually done three variations now. One raspberry lavender, which was a bit more tart with the raspberry. Nice. That's a good one. Um, and then we did a blueberry coconut for our anniversary, which was nice. And then we did a rhubarb, rhubarb strawberry cardamom, and the cardamom was like pretty oh. banging. Yeah, I've never yeah, heard really of any oh, of those combinations. That. Any any of those? Yeah. I've never heard that. That's amazing. I love that. I think yeah, I think they've all you know, fans of this beer pretty much like all of them. Uh, um, I, yeah, I would think so. Unless, like, unless you're particularly put off by any, like, by any one of the fruits, I, I can't imagine yeah. anyone being into this beer, but not be, but not being into the rest of yeah. them. The blueberry is yeah, a bit strange because of the color, but oh, sure, <laughs> some sure. It's, yeah, it's not super dark blue or anything. No, yep. blueberries are surprisingly. Uh, usually, like people add like a, a blackberry or something to get a bit of color in there because people see the blueberry and they expect that blueness, but it's like that's right, yeah, does nothing. No, and even strawberries is an interesting one because it's such a wicked fruit, but it's much more subtle than people would imagine. Like it's not like a raspberry that's really front and center. No. So having the you probably have to put a shit ton of strawberries in there to even get that sort of flavor profile as bold as this, yeah. and then the vanilla probably just kind of gave it a lift. I imagine. Yeah. That's right. Just like smooth the ending a bit. Um, and something that I think, I think works. Something that I think works really well with this, um, it being like kind of um, like more on the sour side than say a milkshake IPA is that it. I think when it can lean into the natural tartness of the, the like of the fruit, I think mm -hmm. that helps. Um, Whereas sometimes the problem with milkshake IPAs is that the fruit can really be fighting the hops. Um, yeah. but, uh, like, like, yeah. but in this case, like it really is just leaning into it quite nicely. And like you were saying, it's yeah. not like really like puckeringly tart, but like it's really mm -hmm. just kind of leaning into the natural tartness of the fruit almost. Mm. I should, yeah, I should mention with this beer, we actually dry hop pretty heavily with Belma. Belma hop, which has uh, like strawberry, strawberry flavor to it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it That's really smart. just inten intensifies the strawberry. We try to kind of with with the sours match the hop to the to the fruit as much as possible, and it's worked yeah. out I think pretty pretty well so far. That's Why? smart. I love it when I love it when people do that. It's, it's the best way to do it. the The fact that it's called a gelato sour is very descriptive. It's very like a paints a picture. <laughs> yeah. So when you were like, you're like, hey, yeah. check out. Is there any beers you're interested in? I'm like, I think I listed literally everything. <laughs> yeah. And one, yeah, this, this, 
Branding. Yeah. I mean, the branding itself with the little sort of ice cream kind of scoops on the side yeah. there is, is super cool. But just being yeah. that, like, the word gelato is is very, you know, it, it brings a very strong picture to anyone's mind of, you know, the yeah. cone and the big sorbet Italian ice creams. Um, is, is, you know, when you guys were doing this, like, where would you put, in, in a, what you just mentioned the smoothies or slushies before, like, where would you position this beer in the, the breadth of sort of heavily fruited sours that we're dealing with in this world? Like, this isn't that far removed from a smoothie or slushy, if I'm honest. I, I feel like you yeah. could just ramp it up a bit and that's where you'd be at. Yeah, I think it's sort of like halfway between, you know, the, the, the slushy smoothie sour versus just a, a sour without lactose. Mm. Yeah, okay. I think it, it's it's on that spectrum, for sure. Um, and I, yeah. I guess you've sort of like, you, you, with this sort of, I, I'm just trying to think of where to position where people are thinking of this beer. And, and I had the reason I'm mentioning it is I had uh, um, Keegan from Four Origins here in Montreal. I was talking to him recently. Yeah. He was like, "Man, we had people come in and they drink our sour, and they're like." Why is it not like thick like a smoothie, like a thick shape? Yeah. They're like, oh, not because people think that's what a sour beer is at this point because of the prevalence yeah. of, of those styles of beer. So yeah. to position um, something like this that is named essentially, it makes it kind of feel like a pastry, uh, I don't want to say pastry sour, but you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, like the named for after sure. a dessert. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. is really like there's a lot of thickness, there's a lot of fruit it's in this. It's, yeah. It's yeah. like this interesting, like, not quite a smoothie, but more intense than a regular fruited sour. Uh, to be, yeah, like to be a hundred percent honest, we wanted to carve out a new style. <laughs> well, yeah. we, we wanted to, we wanted, and, and not, there have been gelato sours before. Um, if you look up the hashtag gelato sour or whatever, it's been used a lot of times, okay. uh, but not here that not here that often i don't think in ontario much that that i know of at least i've never seen this anyway so we're thinking like how can we invent this thing or reinvent this yeah the only one that i can think of is flora hall here in ottawa have done like have done uh like like they they call it a sorbet sour but it's the same but it's but it's the same idea they're the only ones that i can think of it's uh like it's not a commonly uh, it's really not a commonly done style now you right. say it, yeah. yeah. Rorschach do a sorbet IPA, sorbet, but not sour. Sorbet IPA, yeah. yeah. So when you say it like that, that makes so much more sense, actually. When you put yeah. it, because it's, it's sort of this like, but I feel like this gelato. There's something about this sorbet, but I've never seen a sorbet sour. So like something about the gelato and it tie. I mean, maybe it's coincidence tonight, but it ties in with the Italian pills now. It feels like this well, yeah. consistency. Yeah. You know, of, we definitely um, have a bit of an Italian flair in some ways. Yeah, I think it's again because Eric was living in Italy maybe before he came back. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So when we, to be honest, we hadn't I hadn't had a slushy sour before we released this beer. It took okay. me a long time. It took us a long time to get one. They weren't. They're not easily accessible in Kingston. Ship, yeah. uh, Kingston yep. Brewing Company has them, and you know when I was doing deliveries eventually i brought a cooler specifically actually the guys at third moon gave me a few we did a bit of a beer trade which was nice uh, my partner loves sours so she was like you know get me the i sours. need to try these i need get me this get me the slushies, yeah. <laughs> or the smoothies uh and and obviously at the brewery we want to try we try to try things all the time 
that you know are moving and shaking online and gaining traction to see what other people are doing and uh yeah so it took us a long time to actually get our hands on some of them uh and they're good yeah they're inspiring um but i think you know there's so much like i don't know what they're doing exactly but uh there's just so much fruit in those you know like they're just adding pure fruit right to it and which is why you yeah. know it's like it's it's this is fermented fruit right um, it's, it's unfermented fruit that they're putting in which is why these cans can explode and all that but uh yeah it's um, few and far between i don't know it'd be interesting if we can if we can step up because i think if you if you get to that next level it has to be really good too you know um, yeah it's a it's an interesting one because i feel i feel like it's a divisive style uh, Nate and I. Nate, are you Team Smoothie? Are you with me on this? I'm. Uh, I'm not as intense about it as you are. Like, like I'm. I'm still. Like, I'm still very pro smoothie. Like, I'm. Like, like I'm all for them <laughs> existing. I'm. Like, I'm all for people making them. I'm not quite as. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite as intense about it as you are. I'm not willing to fight about it as much I'll as you are. I'll die on that hill, bro. I will <laughs> die on this movie. I know you will. I know you will. <laughs> I just feel like I feel like there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings about the style. And look, is it the, the people start to argue? Is it beer? Like, it's a one. It's an interesting question. I've had people like yeah. Derek from Brewski said it's not beer. I'm like, cool. Like, who cares? Does it taste good? Yes. I feel like yeah. that the fruit purees are so consistently good that. As long as you can manage the the, the post firm issues, which you know seem to be, I mean, Bebo told me he said that out of like thirty thousand cans, there was ten that exploded, and people make a big deal about those ten. As you can tell, right. negative news spreads better than good news. So, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. That's what he. That was the numbers on one of our Chinwag lives. He actually commented that, and I was like, yeah. okay, so people need to chill. Uh, on, on the explosion thing, there's other breweries like Small Pony who are pasteurizing, and I think even Masorum started doing it now in Montreal because they were having explosions. Once again, it was probably 10 <laughs> as well, but yeah. enough that someone posted on social media because their fridge is purple, and then everyone's mad yeah. about smoothies. So I think they're a, an interesting uh, sort of style, but I, I guess what to come back to what you said, like can you make them good? The good part, I think, comes to making them stable. If you're, yeah. it's, and as long as the base beer, which is essentially a Berliner Weiss, I guess, is decent, you're chucking these, this consistent frozen fruit, yeah. fruit puree on top of stuff. Like, I don't know if you, I, I, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I just don't even know how much you can even mess that up. As long as the, the rate, if it's multiple fruit, as long as the ratio. No, I think, yeah, I mean, the issue for me would be the control after the fact, yeah. Hmm. So I think it's good if you sell it right away, but the experience matters a lot right um that's true and people yep. you can't control someone's experience like you can't control if they're going to leave it in their back that's room the point. instead of putting it in the fridge and if it's only 10 out of thirty thousand, then that would definitely give me a uh, reason to be calm about it yeah um but yeah, yeah the, the question about is it beer is is important though i think um i think it's probably important that we say it is beer right well it's um, at least like because we have beer. to be moving yeah, well, it's still whatever percent alcohol, and there's a beer base. Usually five but, or six. I've had yeah. eight, eight plus percent smoothies, and you can't get alcoholic smoothies from like from a store. So no, it's gotta um, be beer. It's gotta be beer, uh, I think. But people, I don't listen. I don't actually love smooth. I don't love sours that much. I 
I like our sours a bit because I'm biased. Like I like this sour because it's not super sour. We've done a couple of sour IPAs that my partner will go crazy for. And I'm like, oh, you can have this, and I don't, I don't <laughs> uh, which, is, which is fine. Uh, we all have our personal styles. Absolutely. But um, it's really important that people are doing those beers because mm. we have, again, it's just about pushing things forward, right? And be forward thinking. Like there's a lot of people in Kingston that don't consider, I'm sure, a lot of our IPAs beers. It doesn't look like a beer. It doesn't taste like a beer, but it's a beer, right? And yeah. we can, yeah. I'm sure we can all agree on that. So um, are we going to specialize in smoothie sours? Like probably not. Uh, I, I don't know for sure, um, but I wouldn't say it's not a beer. And I'd say for the industry as a whole, it's probably really important that Third Moon and whoever else are doing really good ones, you know, yeah. No, um, to, to change people like and expand, like open things up. Because for so long everything's been pretty closed and narrow-minded in in brewing, yes, and craft brewing. So, gotta change yeah, that. Yeah, we're so. um, we're we're very with you on that. Um, it's it's one of those things that um, like uh, the, like and Craig and I are very much aligned on this. Is that like we like we find that there's a, like a large segment of the craft beer scene that just loves something to get angry about. Um, like and they like and they love stuff to like to rage about and uh, like and smoothies is the like is the is the topic of the day to um, like to get angry about um, like two or three years ago milkshake IPAs were the thing. Um, like and this is like this is one of the things that uh, like at first we were saying like oh you know it's kind of cool to see a flagship uh, like like a flagship beer with uh, like with lactose in it. Um, on uh, like on Twitter, just kind of mostly as a joke, but just as uh, like kind of like a tongue-in-cheek counter to the rage. Um, like Craig and I started like the like the hashtag Team Lactose thing and created a Twitter account for like for Team Lactose, just mostly to poke fun at just kind of the ridiculousness of the rage about like about the yeah. style. Just uh, like and, and just with all of that and yeah, like and you know what. That, that, like you know, it's fine. Like it's really, like it's really fine. Like milkshake IPAs did not destroy craft beer. Smoothies <laughs> are not going to destroy craft beer. Like it's, it's so going, that, like these kinds of that, like there will be good and bad versions of absolutely every new style that exists. Just like there's good and bad versions of every old style that has ever existed. It's like, like people That's need right. to chill a little bit. Like it'll all be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something to be said even about like, you know, when you're innovating and doing something that you guys are doing, like what you're doing has been done before, but it really hasn't been done in Kingston, in your region. You could even That's argue the right. whole Bay of Quinty kind of region there. And in that experimentation, in that sort of trying to be a leaders in innovation, you've got to be testing different things. Some will work, some things won't work. And there's going to be That's right. that the leaders in innovation often are the front runners, you're in the front of the field and you're going to be the, the people who are getting that backlash and then eventually people are going to get on board because of that groundwork that you guys have done and hopefully that, you know, because you're a, a lot of people's local brewery and maybe they'll come in and just drink the mild and the bison, but maybe they yeah. will be like, what's this gelato thing about? I like it. <laughs> Let's try it. You know, exactly. And then just the fact that it's there, that it's approachable, that the branding's great, they already love you, that there's that whole you've positioned them mentally and, and got them in this mood where they're ready to try something when when the time is right. And then you've got these offerings, these orange juice beers and these smoothie sour things and fruit, you know, yeah. that have just opened people's palate and be like, yeah, that's beer. 
And I think that's, that's right. Yeah. I think it's more, what you are doing in that region is more important than perhaps people even give you credit for. It's, it's, well, it's, so it's nice of you to say that. It's nice of you to say that. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've had serious conversations about our offerings, you know, and we're kind of getting to a point where we maybe have too many beers on the roster. Mm-hmm. We're looking at our labels and we're thinking our, our inventory of labels is getting out of control. Yeah. <laughs> um, we need to start re- rebrewing more, right. And, and not just doing every beer. Um, but, we're also consciously trying to offer a diverse range, you know? So um, we have a run night Wednesday night. Last night was our run club night. And a lot of the runners, they love our light hazy IPA or light hazy pale ale. It's a light hazy IPA, uh, 3%. So now we try to make sure we save a keg of that, you know, to put on tap for that night because those guys or women come in and they love to have two pints of 3%. Uh, beer after a run, you know, and it's that the same sense. thing. with Yeah, totally. I mean, there's another group that comes in for the Imperial Stout after their run. And they walk <laughs> home, you know? uh, runners awesome. are a lot of runners are serious crap beer drinkers huh. <laughs> in, in a big way. I, 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 uh, I used to be a runner myself. So, I, so like, yeah, yeah I, I get it. Like, like sometimes the, the like, <laughs> like different people have different people have like a lot of like, like very different post run rituals. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. This has been amazing for us. Like the sense of community that's that's kind of formed and getting people in post COVID, you know, the tap room was sort of a depressing place, even though we were pushing a lot of beer out the back door, the front was empty. Um, But this, this uh, sort of philosophical idea of of having a diverse range of beers available um, is something that we're trying to focus on. And so that's why we're, like I say, we're kind of going to do these and try to have them available all the time. It's not going to, we're not going to have three or four different styles, but ideally, whoever shows up at the tap room, again, some people won't consider it beer in the tap room when they see gelato sour on there and then they taste it. Um, but someone will love it. You know, and some people will come just for that. Just like someone's coming for the light hazy 3%. Someone's coming for the IPA, but someone else is coming just for this gelato sour. So it's important we can be consistent and have you know that good product available. Um, yeah. So yeah, diversity of beer, I don't know. Hmm. No, oh, it's perfect. No, it's yeah. it's so important. Like to be able to have something that that like whoever comes in your door, whatever kind of uh, like whatever kind of beer drinker they are, whatever beer is in their mind, if they can yeah. find that on like on your tap list, that like then you're golden. It's that like the like the example that I often draw on is uh, like is what my parents are willing to try because uh, oh. the, like my, like my parents are like you know like um the, 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 like a lot of people's parents who are the, the, like who, who are in the beer scene like you know they're um the, the, like my dad is a, the, like is often very curious about like the beers that I'm drinking and like you know when he sees a bright hazy IPA he thinks that mm-hmm. like you know he'll think that looks very strange and uh, like and I'm like that like, like that's what beer <laughs> looks like 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 that like that looks re- like that looks really weird to me um, like he, he's always very curious and if I tell him to try something he'll uh, like he'll try it every time um, but it's still but like that is still very weird to him but when we were on the fine balance patio and I like and I was having the Marzen that looked a little more normal to him and he was curious like, yeah. and he was curious yeah. to try it uh, like and, and he was like you know what like this is really good and uh, like and he took a can, like and he took a can of it home so nice. like for like and my dad's not even that much of a beer drinker so like yeah. I, so a thing like that where if 
the, the, like if I bring him to the, the, like to your patio and the, like you've nice. got yeah. something that I love and you've got something that he loves as well like like you're the, like there's if you have something that anyone can come in and enjoy no matter what kind of beer drinker they are like like that's that's, right. yeah. that's ideal that's ideal yeah we don't want to exclude anyone right like mm. ideally yeah like anyone can come into our space and find something they enjoy, you know? So part of it is like we have, uh, for the run club, not for the run club, but they appreciate this a lot. The dominion city, what is it? City seltzer. Mm. Yep. Right. So we carry that. It's an amazing water, flavored water, zero calories, whatever, sell them for $2 a can and anyone can come in and have that in the tap room as well. If they don't want to have the 9% imperial standard <laughs> or the 4.8% Pilsner. Um, yeah. Yeah, we want we want like and parents and children to be able to come in for sure. So mm. yeah, it's yeah, I think it's really important. And um, a couple times we've maybe alienated people by our draft list, so it's it's hard for us to, to kind of juggle and have everything available all the time. If we've just released like on our anniversary week, we, we two double IPAs, three gelato sours, and two imperial stouts. It was a really big week for us, and we just yes. wanted to put all of those on tap, you know. Uh, yeah. But we kept one tap for the Pilsner, so. But I think and, and couldn't really. It's important else. to recognize. Like I think it's important to recognize uh, to recognize that. Like if you notice that you're that like that you're alienating some people with your tap list, if you make adjustments accordingly to try to like to try to avoid mm-hmm. that, that's a good thing to do. I think it's an easy thing to fall into in this industry. To like to kind of have more of the mentality like well I'm selling like I'm selling products so what like so what's the problem it's yeah. it's a much more nuanced approach to notice when you might be alienating some people and really just want to be able to have something that like that anyone could like could pick and enjoy it's a it's it's a much more inclusive way to go. Hmm. That's it. That's an yeah. interesting thing. I was going to ask on that note then, do you see yourselves as a gateway brewery for the, you know, say like we were talking before about the locals and the people who are coming in and yeah. think it's orange juice and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. or do you think of yourselves as, you know, you are clearly a beer geek like we are, the travel for beer yeah. that are into haze that are into all the same things as we are. Like where yeah. do you see fine balance in that, yeah. in, in that kind of spectrum? Yeah, we're we're really trying to do both. <laughs> yeah, like as a as a person, like personally, I probably see ourselves see myself and ourselves as the like the beer geek side, like trying to just do everything that's cool and everything that's like new and aggressive and you know uh, pushing things forward. Mm-hmm. But as a business person, <laughs> which in Kingston. Um, and also as someone who's, who's thinking about inclusivity, right? Um, I think it's, yeah, we need to be an educator. That's kind of how I think of it. Like we want to convert people. Um, we live in a you know, east end of Kingston community. It's kind of, or we live, we, we work there and it's kind of suburban. A lot of families, there are a lot of craft beer nerds there, which is great. Um, but there's also a lot of people that don't know anything about craft beer and ideally they should be able to come into our place and enjoy it and learn something. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, practically as a business, we have to do both. Like we have to have one ear in the ground of like what's up and coming, you know, what are our exemplar breweries doing? And the other ear is like, well, 
do we have pistachio on tap this week uh, for whoever, or do we have enough cans of Raven Meats Wolf or Light Hazy Pale Ale or uh, Resilience Mild um, for the people that come in and only buy that beer? You know, we try to convince them to try other beers. Like they, they might come and buy 12 and we're like, do you want to you know, samples sampling all the time? Do you want to sample this one, sample this one? And occasionally they buy those other beers too. Uh, hmm. But it's, it's a process for sure. Uh, we can't ignore those, like those locals. No. That, that's the yeah. backbone. Like most of our beer sells out the front door right now, to be honest. Like it's probably 60% is at the front door. 40% might be at the back door. Okay. Still, so. I, I see the address. You're at 677 Innovation yeah, yeah. Drive. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan and Kingston's I are. Uh, filled with these. Right. Team innovation is what we are here, and I'm all for uh, you know, I'm all for doing that. But I like that. I think that was a that's a great answer, man. Like you got to try and find yeah. that fine balance of, of it's all the balance, yeah. It's, it's 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 all the balance, yeah. There's a brewery, Spearhead Breweries, on Development Drive in the West End. Okay, so we're we're yin and yang, opposite sides of town, <laughs> innovation and development. development. Yeah, this is oh, that's uh, great. The, the city planners' uh, inside jokes, I think. But, yeah. Yeah, it's actually pretty. It bad works fun. for us. We we try to embrace it. Yeah, we try to embrace like the the innovative aspects of it. Well, obviously you're doing that from what we've had here. I think it's just cool though that there's like that you guys are even trying this. I feel like it's it's quite bold in and of itself to do something like this at this level at this quality to in an area like Kingston that's sort of newer to this you know type of thing. I know Stone yeah. City. I was I, I was. Whenever I went to Toronto, I always swung by whenever Justin Justin was there and always picking up what he was yeah. doing. He probably wasn't even doing the haze heavy even back then. Now I think about it. More, more like West Coast style. I think right, so. yeah. But it was still pretty fun and you know, there's a lot of really good. good it was really great. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that was 2000. I mean, he was there 2014, 15, 16, I think. Yeah. And the uh, New England IPA hadn't really hit. No, it was year. late. Tw- I think the first one I had was Juicing from Sodar City in late twenties, in like fall twenty sixteen, and then yeah. it kind of went. But it was very few and far between. Then I discovered Bellwoods yeah. had it, and then I lost my mind. But it yeah. was it was yeah. like a a slower process. But I feel like the what I really like about it, to be honest, is exactly you kind of alluded to this before, where there are some breweries who are doing New England IPAs or Haze or whatever it might be, these trendy beers, and they don't, you know. They're opaque completely. I'm sorry, they're completely yeah. uh, not hazy at all. Or yeah. they're not really that juicy and they're kind of bitter. I'm like, what is this? They're just kind of like making it up and they're not really doing it, but they're calling it. They're trying to market it as, yeah. To be trendy. But if you've got yeah. people who are buying a 12 pack of a Vizen or, or, or whatever, mild or something, and you're giving them a sample, you're doing it of a, uh, the, you're representing these styles well. And I think that's important yeah. because if, you, if a brewery is trying to convince someone and they're not representing those styles well, it's not really going yeah. to go down too well because those first yeah. impressions do kind of last and not everyone will give them yep. another try. Beer geeks will yeah. give it another try. The average yeah. beer drinker probably be like, oh, I tried a New England here. It was terrible. I'm not, I'm not with that. <laughs> and then it's over yeah. for them, you know? And I think that, that what yeah. you're doing is, is giving people the possibility of fantastic beers on all sides of the spectrum. On the, the whole yeah. run of it, actually, and that's what. I say, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely it's education, right? Like, you like Bellwoods. If the the one of the trickiest questions we get, I think we're developing our responses to it. But like, we offer someone an IPA, and I try to say like, I just want you to try it. 
you know, like it might not be like anything you've had before or what you think an IPA is, but people ask how hoppy is it? You know, like, like well, jutsu very, from, uh, from, well, but how do you answer that question? Right. Like how hoppy is jutsu or whatever from, <laughs> yeah. from Bellwood. Yeah. It's like, well, we put a lot of hops in it, uh, but the hops come after we brew it. Like, you know, when it's fermenting and they're not making it bitter at all. Like ideally they're adding flavor and aroma and all this, um, our beers are hoppy, but not bitter. Like most people think hoppy, yeah, well, means they come in and they, they think like, oh yeah, hundred IPUs or some IBUs. Like we don't use IBUs. It pisses some people off, right? They come, they're like, what's the IBU on this? And they're like, well, we don't really use IBUs, but you know, it's maybe around like 20 or 30, whatever. Like just kind of make something up in the low, in the low range. Um, because they're not, they're not hot. They're, they're not bitter beers. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Whenever people, I think Nate's uh, camera battery died there. No, I, I'm still here. By the way, I'm just changing my battery. Oh, yeah, nice. man, no problems. Um, the thing about that, I think you're 100 percent right. You know, there's usually a joke about um, you know IPAs, and, and people always make kind of fun of them who don't really understand what it is, and they always assume that it's got to do with this hoppy, you know, tongue stripping bitterness that was popular yeah. seven to ten years ago. That it's like the the zeitgeist hasn't moved past that oh, and realized that yeah. these juicy things that these people who are shitting on the style would actually really like them. I find that oh, it's yeah. my number one style for converting people. Yeah, people who are like, you know, yeah. who are just wine drinkers or whatever. You go, yeah. go try, they go, what's that? And say, hey man, try this. And yeah. they're just like, whoa, what is this? And you know, yeah. it's more no, so than it, other styles. It works for us too. Like it does. I mean, I, yeah. I appreciate your kind words, but like, yeah, if you have something that you believe in, product that you believe in that you think is really good, that, you know, you know, isn't really bitter. Like our tiptoe IPA might be a, a bit more bitter, but none of them are super bitter. They're flavorful. You're going to get sort of different flute, fruit uh, flavors from whatever you're tasting, even though there's no fruit in them because the hops are, you, know, you try to explain you know, the differences between different hops. And yeah, you can convert people, which is like an amazing experience to have right. for sure. And to like, to be that gateway. So the gateway is really important, I think. Because that's oh, yeah. I mean, the goal of, of craft brewery, craft breweries uh, in, in general, or craft beer as, a, as an industry, right? We need 100%. to convert more people, <laughs> ideally. Um, ideally. Because there's still too many places like downtown Kingston, where we've had great success being on tap at a few places, but um, there's a lot of big beers down there. Mm. You know, and there's a lot of people like reps that are writing checks or doing whatever to get their beers on tap. And uh, makes it hard. We're not doing that. Well, it makes it hard if people don't like understand or appreciate uh, the Quality. differences in, in yeah. craft beer. Yeah. yeah, it's very different. Where do you see you guys positioned then? Like, are you? Do you guys see yourselves in the same conversation? Because now I'm starting to really. I'm talking to you, seeing what you yeah. guys sort of you know, in, you know, set out intending to do, and now drinking the beers. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. You guys are in a different position than what I thought you – like I didn't really know before. I already – Well, I don't know favorite. if that's the case. I don't know if it's the case, but yeah. Like do you We're know what you – you're wanting to be in that same breath as Third Moon and, and what, uh, Bellwoods and maybe well, Town and Rorschach and, and those type of uh, uh, breweries? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, we want to be in sort of the top echelon. Um, I know that like in like our IPAs probably aren't going to be like third moon's IPAs. Um, okay. At least right now in part because 
I mean, they make really good IPAs. They have more experience making those IPAs, but in part because of the style and yeah, the ingredients and what we're what we're willing to spend and what we're uh, willing to charge for our products. That's part and of that's it. That's a I fair think. point. Yeah, Does that but, um, that must hold yeah. it back a little bit, I guess, as far as like it, what you're able to actually achieve? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're figuring out our market, I guess, is, is the other the other sort of answer. Um, you know, I think, so the, the folks at Wood Brothers are mm-hmm. doing such an amazing job. Yeah, um, some great stuff. And it's, yep. it's crazy. Like, their story is just sort of insane, right? Like, this small system, they just Super brew tiny. all the time, like, you know, four times a week or whatever pumping out beers and there's such demand and there's been sustained demand for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's it, yeah, it, um, it's insane the way that they've grown and the way that they've had to grow to meet that demand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they so they went all in on this one particular style of beer, right? And it's yeah. paid off in a huge way for them. Oh yeah. Um, we, we haven't, yeah, we have, we chose not to do that, I guess. Like our identity is doing this sort of more diverse range of beers. And yeah, I, I, there's, there's just, there are different models, I guess, you know, we have this, we have a 10 barrel system, which isn't huge, um, but it's bigger than, you know, some of these sort of smaller breweries mm-hmm. they are pumping out beers. And uh, yeah, I we've been really focused on that local market, I guess, mm. which having a, having a big tap room, you know, where we expect we want people to come in and do events and, you know, whether it's a run club or a trivia night that we're going to start next week. Um, we've had a few, you know, like po- food pop-ups we have that are really successful being part of the community kind of shapes in a way, the types of offerings that we have. Um, yeah. No, I get it. I feel like it, it seems to me that it's basically a matter of time before the hype boys discover like the real kind of like third moon fans and stuff. Yeah. Once people discover what you're doing, cause I think you've positioned yourselves in a place where it's new and be like, you know, in Kingston where people don't expect to find this level uh, quality. So it's almost yeah. like it's probably good to go even under that radar for a bit. And, and it's only been a year you said, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and keep, you know, really establishing yourselves there whilst being in all these bottle shops to help you grow and um, kind of what I was even leaning into. Have you have you guys done any collabs with any of these people, which are, you know, sounds like you're friends with a lot of these amazing people? Yeah, ones. we haven't yet, but we're planning to. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we have an idea to do a bunch in January or a few in January. Sick. I think that's... And, yeah, the plan is to do an uh, sort of anti... Dry January. <laughs> yeah. Dry and January market is and, and market it pretty hard. Like, yeah, just yeah. do a bunch of IPAs, double IPAs, like just big stuff for people that are not doing dry January. Because if you're not doing yeah. it, maybe yeah. you're you'll appreciate yeah, some big some bigger beers. Um, like no, that. collabs are definitely something we want to do. We've done, you know, we've done a couple local things like for to raise money for different causes, but um yeah, we're we're still like sort of developing relationships with different breweries too, though, which has been nice. And uh, like, and even outside of brewery collabs, like like Raven meets Wolf was kind of, like was kind of a collab with Wolf Island uh, Hopyard, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of 
they just started producing hops, I think, last year, like basically around the time that we started making beer. So that worked out really well. Um, not a lot of local hops available in the in the region. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, we love the yeah, so this local artist Vince Perez did the design for that. He did two designs that were so nice on the can. We just took both and then we interchanged them. Uh, it was so a really initially, cool design. I really like that. Yeah, oh, was, yeah, really neat. So the the uh, malt Check, is from yeah. Raven. Yeah, the Raven's called the malt from, Ch- from Czech Republic. Uh, really yeah. clean malt, and uh, yeah, so that worked well. So we're we're definitely looking for more sort of collaborative opportunities. We've done yeah one with the Run Club. We're doing one for the the food bank uh, in Kingston coming up, and yeah, definitely. Something that we're going to do more, ideally, quite a few. Excuse me, in January. I love that. I'm trying oh, to find cool. the picture of the uh, the logo here. The the oh for Raven meets Wolf. I guess it would be yeah, it's nice. Maybe. It's a raven, yeah, engulfed in a wolf, <laughs> in a wolf's head. Yeah, it. it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it was a cool, cool. concept. Yeah, that yeah. is that is sick. I like the idea of the. Uh, really, it doesn't have it on here. Goddamn it! Hang on, wait, there it is. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, there that's that's one of them. Yeah. So there's yeah. two. There's another one that's more circular. That maybe. Yeah, they're both. It'll be cool. under untapped has it all. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. There I it like is. That one a little bit better, but yeah. Yeah. They're both very cool. Very smart. Um, no, I love it, man. I think this is. Uh, I think it's sick. I think the collabs will be a great way for people to really understand what you guys can sort of what you guys do and what you offer in the scope of this more i know we keep sort of doing that in the hype but like it's it's really where you should be sort of positioned at the end of the day and that's not to say that the hype breweries can't because like you know i guess third moon isn't doing the mars or a bison or a mild or anything like yeah, that yeah. it just wasn't in their game plan but there are other breweries yeah. even like town who have really stepped up and doing that like they're doing some phenomenal yeah. stuff out there and Town is crushing it, yeah, killing the game. Yeah. And I think they they do they do a bunch of they do a half a yeah. and they do a bunch of different things like that. That yeah. are, you know they still are able to really hit that hype note whilst also doing yeah. these other things. And I think there's, there's there's a lane for that that's already kind of yeah. here and it's not unheard of. And I think it's like I think it would be essentially maybe unwise of you to only do a third moon model in the in the region that you're in. Because it would just yeah. it, it would cut out like you said you want to be inclusive you want to be you know have everybody's welcome and if you didn't have those other styles it would actually stop that but then what you're doing you're you're having the gateway and you're providing that bridge and you've got the other bangers sitting right here so you could they can stay there yeah. or they can cross right over and drink some of these ones too and you know happily right. yeah. between. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of how we're doing it. So Third Moon, you know, they have a pretty set schedule and routine of releasing these beers that are hype beers. We we do them sort of sporadically. So we're trying to amp up the cer- certain releases that we know could potentially fill that kind of mold or whatever. Yeah. Um, so next week we have a triple IPA coming out, for instance, Oof. which is going to oh, be kind nice. of crazy. Yeah. And so talk about like trying to convert the locals um, <laughs> 10%. Triple IPA, I expect it will go over pretty well, uh, but I also <laughs> yeah. expect that's that'll probably be a beer that'll uh, will be a beer that will push hard, like out you know to bottle shops in Toronto and, and other places. Yeah, I, I would say so. I it would say highly so. sought after. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I think it'll be it'll be good. 
No, that is so. So yeah, we're yeah. We're, we're conscious of trying to do that sort of probably more as one-offs, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. we experimented with our double IPAs that went over pretty well. Like, choose to spend a little more money, like put a little more hops in there and make them a bit bigger, charge a little more, and most of them. So we don't sell it in a week, but like most of our double IPAs, we sell it in about two weeks. You know, which is that's good. It's good, yeah. Like, yeah, it's not selling out a, in like two minutes, like Wood Brothers or something. But it's it's no. But I mean, but like, but I mean, for like for a heavily hopped double IPA, like to sell it out in two weeks, that's that's a good window. That means people are getting yeah. it in the like I mean, in the time of peak freshness. Yeah, so that's like, right. Like, yeah, that, that's when yeah. you want people to be drinking it, right? Yeah, totally. And that's why, honestly, the the balance thing, like we want to for a little while in the summer, we were concerned with having beers available. Um, Primarily because we were selling too many kegs, to be honest. Mm. Uh, yeah, which is another sort of interesting issue. Um, but that's where having the like the mild ales and the, our pilsners actually sell pretty fast. But you know, pilsners stuff that has a longer shelf life is really nice. Occasionally, we've done so we have a we have a twenty barrel fermenter and a twenty barrel bright tank as well, so we could do double batches. So we try to do a double batch of pilsner once in a while to have it sort of you know, last for a couple months um, is nice to fill out that, that fridge. Um, Yeah. No, I love it, man. It's just, it's just really, yeah, it's cool. It's going to be interesting to follow your journey and see where you guys go with this. I I really feel like once you start, you know, you collab with certain breweries and people realize who you are and what you do, I think it's going to be a problem and uh, you're going to have trouble keeping up with this stuff. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. cool. It's, like- it seems like yeah. No, go on, please. Definitely, like no, just the uh, happy. You know, obviously, we're just impressed by certain breweries that are able to do that. You know, knock them out every single week. Um, but I'm also, we're also happy with how things have gone. Yeah. So it's a, it's a balance, you know. It's like we're grateful that we're able to continue to make so many beers. Yeah. Uh, given the given the situation, like it seems like it should only be up from here with things opening up. Like even with the restrictions being lim- uh, lifted a bit on indoor spacing and and stuff like that, it just it gets more people coming through and yeah. So I think yeah, I, I'm with you. Like things are are looking up for sure. I think you. I, I think you guys are on a good path. I think you've um, like you've got a good, you you've got a good recipe for getting people in your door and for mm. people like and for people wanting to well like wanting to drink your beer and that's the, like that's the best you can hope for. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Was there anything else we wanted to touch on, uh, fellas? Are we feeling like we've uh, we nailed it all? I'm probably good, but if you have any questions, Nate, um, I, I, I think you, I think you've answered all my questions, man. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a good chat. Yeah, yeah, really fun. Interesting. I knew it was going to be. I'm really <laughs> glad we did this. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about bottle shops actually, because it's yeah, yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with them and and how breweries. So one thing I guess I would say is that there are going to be one of our collabs. Um, for January, it's going to be with a bottle shop in in Cambridge. Amazing! Oh, nice. It. So, like, yeah, these guys—they're called Old Gold Old Gold Bottle Shop. But oh, uh, yeah. 
they went all in and they, yeah, they, they bought like 10 huge fridges and just bring in beer from everywhere. And it's, yeah, it's pretty inspiring to see, you know, people take risks and then have it pay off ideally. So yeah, I I think there'll be a lot more sort of synchronicity between bottle shops and breweries in the future. Yeah. One of the things I'm like I'm working on right now with the uh, like with the BAOS blog is I'm uh, like trying to put together like a directory of um, like of Ontario bottle shops and that uh, like and the thing that I'm dis- like Old Galt was one that I like was one that I was familiar with that I follow along with the ones like uh, like Sidewalk Beer Shop out of Princess Cafe and uh, okay. and a couple of these other well known ones but one of the things that I like that I was discovering in the research for that is like there are like there are even more than i like than i realized like there's some that have like a really good online presence like fourth and seven and bevy bira and whatnot but like i'm discovering ones in toronto like like, there's a ton in toronto that i'd never even heard of before and one of the ones that i came across in fact was tommy's like like, that's (laughs) it's it's insane how much this has exploded and like Like and even for me who follows this stuff pretty regularly, like it's there's even more than I realize. So it's exactly like you said, like you know, it's something that's just really not talked about enough. Like they they, they kind of exist in these little pockets that outside of them, people just have no idea even. Yeah, just a neighborhood beer store. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy sells more beer than like I don't know half the bottle shops in Toronto. Like, it's just under the radar. But if you live in that neighborhood, you know where to go for beer. That's so cool, yeah. though. I love yeah, and, that. And, and, I but love but that. they don't. But they don't really carry double IPAs, imperial stouts, anything <laughs> like that. No, seriously, they just they carry like they sell our testachios, our favorite, his favorite beer, their favorite beer of ours. Well, you know it's what? That's fine though. Like, like, like yeah. he, he doesn't have to. He, they have their like, he doesn't have yeah. to. If, if he's able to yeah. make his business on like on loggers and pale ales, like that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Cool. I love it. It's amazing. Um, let's just grab the thumbnail, then we'll wrap up, and then we'll finish up offline here. So I'm going to take a yep. screenshot. Do you guys want to hold up some uh, the cans? This is for the, uh, the sure. old YouTube picture. Oh, it's always tough to try and get as many as I can in one hand here. Two so cans. Here okay. I have Look two here. One's yeah, a bit battered. Well, it's okay. Nathaniel? There we go. Hey, here we go. Oh, that is gorgeous. Um, man, Andrew, this has been genuinely fantastic. Where can well, thanks, guys. man? Seriously, is, 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 I knew this was going to be great, but this was this was awesome. Where can everybody find Fine Balance online and in person? Yeah, so we're Instagram at Fine Balance Brewing. Uh, we're Facebook at Fine Balance Brewing. Uh, website is finebalancebrewing.ca. That's the way to do it. Common common theme there. And then yeah, if you're in Kingston. <laughs> We're unit four, 677. Innovation, innovation drive. Innovate, innovate it. Yeah. Close to the highway. So, yeah. Which is the closest uh, highway of the 401 exit to that one? Uh, Highway 15. So we're like right off Highway 15. Yeah. Which is uh, the first exit if you're heading like uh, west. Okay. And the last exit, if you're heading east in Kingston. Yeah. Okay. When we come from Montreal, our routine was to always stop at the A and W on Division Street. Is it- oh, Division. It's the one before no, it's that. Be- yeah. It's before Division. Yeah. The one before. And and, okay. and there's an A and W there. As well. Well, that's even better. As well. Yeah. So you're good. You're covered either way. That's all you need. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Nate, where can everybody find you, man? 
Okay, so everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's at Nathan Does Beer. Uh, you can also find me on the BAOS podcast blog. Um, quick link to all of my blogs, NathanDoesBeer.com. And you can, of course, find me here occasionally co-hosting BAOS <laughs> podcast with my man, C. Yes, indeed. Uh, both you guys stick around. I'm just going to wrap this up. Stick around. We'll finish up offline and we'll get it going. But both you guys, thank you so much. This was a fantastic chat. I loved it. I really appreciate both your time. Everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, mate, of course, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell. Tell them, Nate. Ding. So you know where the new new drops. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio. You can hear attractive individuals like Uncle Andrew and Uncle Nate talk craft beer. We premiere each uh, podcast episode at 8 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you again. Cheers. Get in ya. Damn.